We all have the warm fuzzies now, don't we? Right? Some of you aren't. But for a lot of us, you do. Now, I remember the first time I heard that song this year. It was November 1st in a store. And as much as I thought it was too early, it still like brought a warmth to my heart. Does it do that for you? Really does. I want to look at a lyric with you from that song. I'm not going to sing it. All right. I'm not going to sing it. No one would thank me for that. But I want you to look at the power of these words from this song. That's, this is why it's warm and fuzzy. Is it says, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. That sounds so good, doesn't it? No problems next year. You know, I think that's garbage. How many of you agree with me that you think that song's just kind of garbage? Some of you are like, you just let the air out of Christmas for me, right? It really isn't true. Now, if you think that song is true, I hate to tell you, you are going to have troubles next year. Troubles are waiting for you. Now, that's not a warm fuzzy, I understand. But you know, when you think about Christmas, like we see all these songs, we hear all these songs and everything, that it's, that it's like it's creating this weird paradigm of expectation, of thought, that what makes a merry little Christmas is there's going to be no troubles next year. It's complete garbage. And so today, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to show you how false this song is, but also there's hope in it. But to do that, I'm, I'm a farm kid, so I learned you have to bring the right gloves for the job. And so I brought these gloves. All right? You got to be a little bit of a Grinch, right? How many of you would say in your family you're the Grinch? Raise your hand. Be proud. Be proud. We're not bad people. We're just realists. That's all it is. We're just realists. The rest of you are like heads in the clouds somewhere. And so I'm going to illustrate to you why I'm known as the Grinch. Because I'm a realist. Now, if you looked at my Facebook post last year, you would have seen this picture. Look at this family. It looks like that song, doesn't it? That family has no problems. But what you don't see in that picture is that before the picture, they were griping, we weren't going to open presents, and the little ones wouldn't get in the picture. That's a snapshot. It's not real. But I think for all of us, we think those moments are real. And if it's a moment that's real, it's like really short in our family. Now here's why the Merry Little Christmas at this song is because I have that family. You know, I love my family, but they are my family. We don't have Merry Little Christmases, and this is why I'm the Grinch. At least like the song says. And it's always encapsulated in this moment of... The Elliott Family Christmas Light Tour. <sighs> Hate that thing. Hate that thing. Now, my wife for 10 years, like this is a moment that she dreams of all year where, 
kids are going to get in the car and we're going to have hot chocolate, all of us in our little mugs. And we're going to drive by. Everybody's going to look out the window and be pointing and smiling and joy and all of these things. And I always tell her when she's telling, telling me we're going to do this, I'm like, I think that could happen. But we're going to have to get someone else's children to do it. <laughs> That's what's going to have to happen But every year. I love Jenny because she is such a hopeful person. I just hurt for her because her children disappoint her at every turn. So last year was the worst year in the history of the, of the Elliott Christmas light tour. We all get in the car, we got our hot chocolate and everything, and I prepped the older children that I will not name, Ethan and Kaylee, I prepped them, and I told them, if you ruin this for your mom, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's going to be bad. But I am not kidding you. When the door closed on the car, they said, how long is this going to take? <laughs> Should have been more specific. I was like, and of course, my wife, she tried to, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Well, we get a couple miles down the road. Somebody spills the hot chocolate. You know, it's like, so then we're like, cleaning a mess up. It's a disaster. What I've learned in almost 20 years of marriage, being the Grinch is the Grinch. If you feel that way, you don't vocalize it. You just drive the car, okay? So I'm just driving the car. I'm bringing these gloves this year, by the way, when I do. But you just drive the car and you're just feeling this like this is going bad. Well, we go through a few Christmas lights and guess what happens? The big ones the older two have a real bad attitude. The little ones were loving it. But the peer pressure of negativity overtakes the little ones. And they want to go home too. And this is not the plan. Like this is not the plan. We've only been doing this 20 minutes. I want to go home too. And so my wife says, we're going to the lights on Douglas. If you've ever been there. And she's like, you're all going to like it. I want to do this. This is going to be great. She was so wrong. And I'm just driving her, and I'm like, this is going bad. And when we pull up there, there's a mile of cars. I'm not even kidding you. So we're sitting in line. We got four children complaining. We still, we got most of the cocos drank at this point, wishing we have brought more because we're sitting in line. And then we see that there's donations that you really should make. And guess who didn't bring cash, Right? The Elliott family. So the children seize this moment. They're like, well, we can't go through this now, Mom. We don't have any money. And my wife is scouring the car for money. We're trying to find it. We're putting all the quarters together. And then the children complain to a point. I hear from the back of the car, because my wife had to move to the back to clean up the hot cocoa, is she says, I've had it. We're going home. And that's when the real Grinch came out. Because I had bad thoughts about my kids, and I was like, they're not winning. They're not going to win. And so I say, in a very stern voice, I turn and I look at my wife, which is a really, this was a bad move. Just keep your mouth shut. I just couldn't any longer. I said, we're teaching them a lesson. We're staying here, and we're looking at those stinking lights. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, we're looking at those lights. We're going to look at them. And she looks at me. And it's like she peered inside my heart. 
and cut me open. And she says, take me home now. (laughs) And so I grabbed the steering wheel, and I'm not kidding you, we all felt it, and nobody spoke for 30 minutes the entire way home. What a merry little flippin' Christmas, (laughs) right? I know why you're all laughing. You're not not laughing at me. You're laughing with me, aren't you? (laughs) This happens to all of us. It's like we have these expectations of this beautiful family, and then we have a Christmas with this family, (laughs) right? what happens to all of us. So I want you to think about where that story goes crazy is expectations. You know, as we think about what are we expecting, some of you might be expecting a great Christmas light tour. You might be expecting an amazing family gathering where everyone will show up. And then, you know, when somebody gets sick, you're like, ah, just doesn't, doesn't work out. Or it could be you're actually expecting the worst Christmas ever because of a loss, because of a struggle. And so what I want you to think about for each and every person is what are your expectations this Christmas? What are your expectations? And I want you to think about that. I want you to really kind of almost marinate in that thought is, We all have these expectations. And how you identify an expectation is if it doesn't happen, you're disappointed. And if you made a list of all the expectations you have, it's terrifying. And you know, the truth of these expectations that we have is it sets us up for disappointment and this merry little Christmas where there's no trouble where we're kumbaya family, it like just deflates us. And then if we're expecting that it's going to be horrible, it's kind of almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? So this Christmas, if you think this is going to be the worst one ever, you're on your way. It really works like that. Because you see, our expectations are the enemy of a Merry Christmas. I mean, we have expectations not just about what Christmas is going to be like. We have expectations of what our spouses are supposed to do. We have expectations about what significant relationships in our life that we have with siblings. What's going to happen? We're putting expectations on them. And you know what happens? If they don't deliver, we're disappointed. And if they deliver, there's not really joy. They just did what they're supposed to do. We really haven't set ourselves up well in our thinking for a merry little Christmas. Now, the good news for us today is that's not the true joy and the true merry that is in Christmas. It's what we've all adopted, are these scenes and everything. But today we're going to learn from the wise men about truly what a merry little Christmas looks like. 
Now, most of us, even if you didn't grow up in church, maybe you're checking out faith today, you've at least heard of the three wise men. Now, I have good news and bad news. Because most of what we think and know about the wise men, it's not accurate and true. So my mom collects these nativity scenes. She's got like dozens of them. And you got the wise men like all dressed up and they're by the manger and there's three of them there. They weren't at the manger scene. That's like shocking. That's like taking the air out of that song a little bit. Those nativities are a complete lie. There's nothing wrong with them because we're putting the focus on the Christmas story, but they never visited the manger. They never did. And the reason we know that is what we're going to discover in the scriptures. We also aren't sure if there was three of them. I was like, if there's four, there's something wrong. But actually the Bible never says there was three of them. And so as we read the story, we're going to discover some new things, and it's actually better. It's better. It points to the merry little Christmas that we can have and how we can learn from them. And so it starts in Matthew chapter 2. You can open up your Pathway Church app, or you can follow along on the screen, and we're going to read the story of the wise men. It says there, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now here's the key thing to discover here is these men, These men traveled to get here. Most scholars believe they traveled from a place called Persia in the east. And it was probably at least a 400-mile journey across desert, across mountainous regions. It was a long track. It's not like they were just there. The story picks up in Jerusalem, but they saw this star. And they were really into astronomy because their belief system said when a new star appeared, it signaled the birth of a newborn king. And so when they saw this star rise, they made the decision to make what most people believe was a three-month to possibly a year journey to see this newborn king. And they discovered this newborn king was the king of the Jews because the star pointed them towards Jerusalem. Now to me this makes these men amazing. Like I I live more, my life's kind of on the west side of Wichita. I don't even like to go to the east side of town most of the time. Right? That's most of us. These guys saw a star. They knew there was a newborn king and they're just like, pack it up. And it was probably a caravan of people because they would have needed food, water, shelter, provisions to make this journey. So it wasn't just these three guys that we see in the nativity. It was a lot of people, a caravan of people making this journey to find this newborn king. Now the scripture goes on and it says this in verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, 
where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. So this is in the Old Testament. The prophets wrote this. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So you see, Herod is terrified that this newborn king is going to take his power. So he goes to these Old Testament scholars and he asks them, like, where is the king going to be born? And it's discovered it's in Bethlehem. And so the scriptures go on in verse 7. It says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Now, if you thought the song, Merry Little Christmas, was garbage, what Herod just says here is garbage as well. He has no intention of worshiping this newborn king. He wants to kill him. Does that sound like a merry little Christmas? Jesus has just been born and his life is in danger. But you see, the magi, the wise men, are excited. They've traveled for months and months and months, and finally they know the location of the newborn king. You see, they've been focused on this goal. Focused on the goal to experience and see the newborn king so that what? They could bow down and worship him. And so in verse 9 it goes on and it says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now the key to a merry little Christmas, I believe, is found inside this story. And I think today for us, the Magi, the wise men, we should be amazed at them. And they did things that first Christmas to have a merry little Christmas that were really extraordinary. It was crazy, but inside of that crazy is the key that can separate us from our false expectations and have a true merry little Christmas. So the first thing that we can learn from the wise men is this, is to have a merry little Christmas they knew they must pursue. You see, they knew when they saw that star that signaled the newborn king that they had to go out and go find him. They had to go experience him. They had to see him so that they could worship him. They didn't want anything from him. They just wanted to be in his presence so that they could worship him. Man, when I reflect back on the 
false expectations that I had and how hard the Christmas light tour was. It was a difficult journey, but it was nothing compared to the difficult journey that the Magi went on. It was four months through desert, through sandstorms, through rough terrain. Robbers, all these things, these compounding problems, but they fixated their eyes on that star because they wanted to see the newborn king. They wanted to experience him so that they could worship him. Now you think about the expectations we normally pursue. That's different, isn't it? You know, I want to ask you, what are you pursuing this Christmas? You see, this is an important question. And when I think about my life, and I think about what I've been pursuing, then there's a great example that I'm a little ashamed to share with you. So since about September, I've been on the hunt for a TV. Any man been on the hunt for a TV? We pursue that, don't we? Like size, like what it looks like, how, I mean every aspect of this TV we want to know what the resolution is, how clear it will be, you can't mess up football, those kinds of things. And so I went out and I did so much research. It started in September and finally the 1st of November, I'd settled on a decision. And I found the TV, I found it. And so I went on all my apps and I put a notification when it hit this certain price level, when it dropped in price, you know you can do this, right? And then on Cyber Monday, victory! It hit the price. And I found the TV, and it is in my house. It was an all-out pursuit with everything I had. My guess is, if I looked at your Amazon shopping cart, and what it says you've been looking at, you've been on some all-out pursuits. You might be more holy than me because I bought my own Christmas present. But you might be for yourself. You might be like, well, it's for somebody else though. But don't you see how we pursue things? Are we pursuing Jesus like the wise men did with that type of intensity? Like, it's kind of a scary question, isn't it? But you see, for that merry little Christmas, the wise men knew that there was no barrier that they couldn't get over. They had to go through everything, 400 miles of a journey to a place they didn't know, just so they could see the newborn king and worship him. Sounds a little different than our expectations, doesn't it? You see, in the book of Jeremiah, God said this to his people to help them understand how important this is. It says this in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. You see, what are we seeking this Christmas? Are we seeking Jesus with all our heart? And that's a scary question as a follower of Jesus to ask. It's challenging. Because most of the time our Christmas pursuits look just like a world that doesn't believe in Jesus. But for us, like the wise men, 
It's all about the newborn king. Now, the second thing that we can learn from the wise men is this, is to have a merry little Christmas, they gave a one-of-a-kind gift. Now, when you think about this one-of-a-kind gift, I don't want you to get fixated on the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, because that is a one-of-a-kind gift, but there's something else we miss. It says this in Matthew 2, 11, on coming to the house... They saw the child with his mother Mary. And they did what? They bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, from the time they left, they left on that journey, they had packed the treasures. They knew they were going to give an amazing gift. But throughout this story, they don't mention the gift. That's the first time it's mentioned. What do they mention? Worship. The reason they went on that journey is they came to worship Him. Now when you think about that, the gift is part of the worship. It's part of what they gave Him as a signal of the value of the newborn King. And so for each and every one of us, worship is the first step. And I don't know about you, but have you thought about how am I worshiping Jesus? Like, what does that look like for me? What does it look like inside my family? What does Christmas look like? Have we even thought about we want to experience the newborn king and we want to worship him? And then out of worship, And worship is prayer. It's reading God's Word. It's listening to the Holy Spirit and reaching out to people who God points you to. That's worship. Because it's done in the name of Jesus. And so then after we've worshipped, we can get to this question, is what will you give this year? You see, that's why we've been challenging all of us, all of our families, is to seek God and pray and ask, what is our give one gift? What are we going to give to Jesus this year? It has everything to do about worship. And you know, as we think about giving a gift, especially as we give to Jesus, so many times we go down these false narratives. We don't, we don't connect it to worship. What we connect it to is I want to do something good And I want something good to come of it. And if I don't think something good is going to come of it, I'm not going to give it. But you see, the wise men, they didn't think this way. They went on that journey to seek the newborn king, to bow down and worship him, and then to reflect that worship through the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which were valuable. Like we're talking in today's dollars at least hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now you might not have read in the Bible or thought about it. Like, was Jesus rich? He wasn't. But you see, there was a greater story unfolding. And you get to see that though the Magi did not know what these gifts were going to do, God always uses our gifts. And so what happens if you read on in the story is remember that King Herod? He wanted Jesus dead. He wanted him dead. 
And so he ordered that all baby boys under a certain age in this time frame from when the star appeared would be killed. And so in a dream, just like the Magi were told in a dream to not go back to Herod, Joseph was told in a dream to escape to Egypt, a land that he didn't live, where there weren't any Jews. He escaped to this place where he couldn't provide for his family. But guess what? God had already provided. And so most of Jesus' early years, they probably survived on these gifts that the Magi gave them. You see, the story is so much bigger than the manger scene. That's how God's stories are. There's so much more to what he can do. And so when we worship him and we offer a gift, he's going to always do more than we could ever imagine with those gifts. So I want to really challenge you this week to pray, to ask God first, God, I'm grateful for you. Thank you for sending your son. You are king. Worship him. And then just simply ask God, what would you have me give? Not to the people around me, but what would you have me give to you? You see, when you think about pursuing like they did, when you think about worshiping, when you think about giving, these are the keys to a merry little Christmas. Now, I have to tell you that I'm pretty sure we're going to take a swing at the Christmas light tour again. So as you worship Jesus and you pray, you might slip that one in, okay? I hope my wife can experience joy. But you see, when I look back and I even think about the amazing memories that our family has, the best ones, the ones that really encapsulate a true merry little Christmas that aren't just a momentary feeling, but when I look back, are so much more. Revolve around this idea of pursue, worship, and give. You know, when I think about my family, I think about even just last night, when I walk into the kitchen, and two of my daughters are in there making hot cocoa. And in the background, they have... Christmas music on and they're singing together Noel come and see what God has done you see they were worshiping in my presence and I mean I was afraid to say anything because I didn't want it to stop but you see that's a merry little Christmas it's something that my family and I are going to try to do this year we've done in the past is a merry little Christmas for us is we make Christmas cookies. I'm just the taste tester, though. But we make Christmas cookies. We put them in a package, and we take that invite that is on all of your seats, and every person we know that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, we put a Christmas invite in there. We take those cookies to them, and we invite them to come and experience the newborn king. You see, that's a merry little Christmas. That's really what it looks like. It's also found in the family tradition of before we open presents. We started this when our kids were really little. Is we look at them and we say, you know what? We give gifts to remind ourselves of the gift 
that was given. And before we open the gifts, we read the Christmas story. Now, the kids are normally knuckleheads. I'm not going to judge. They want to open the presents, but we do it. We don't even care if it's good because it's not about the experience that we have. It's about understanding we're pursuing Jesus. I had one of my children ask me, are you trying to make a point with this? And I said, you bet I am. You see, it's about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about us getting together. We pursue Jesus. We worship him and we give to him. And everything we do is just simply to remind ourselves of the power of that. And so today, I can't help but think that maybe just like me, you've kind of been off to the wrong start. I know I have. My family has been. But today, God is here. And he wants to help us to have a true merry little Christmas. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, God, for the opportunity we have today to come and to be convicted by your scripture, by your word, and the story of the Magi. God, I'm amazed at their conviction and their journey to do whatever it took to get in front of the newborn king and to bow down and worship him. God, I pray that that pursuit that they went on, that God, our hearts would be in the same place, that we would pursue you, that we would have the desire to bow down and worship you. And God, that we would offer you a -a one-of-a-kind gift as a reflection of our worship. God, when we think about all of our expectations, we know that most of our expectations around Christmas aren't about you. They're about us. God, I pray today that we can lay those aside and that, God, would we could have the focus and the joy that the Magi had on that first Christmas. God, I know to do this, that we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to guide us. That, God, there's so many things pulling us in so many different directions. But, God, we want to be focused as they were focused on that star that pointed to Jesus. And so today, if you would like God's help to regain your focus this Christmas, I just want you as a sign to him that you need his help just to raise your hand and to say, maybe just like me, that you've had it wrong this year. Maybe you've never had it right, but you want it to be right this year. Raise your hand no matter where you're at. There's hands all over. Let me pray for all of us. Father, I thank you, God, for my brothers and sisters, God, who desire to reflect who you are to the world. That, God, we know in our hearts and in our lives we have an opportunity to pursue you, to worship you, to give to you for the whole world to see God, I pray that we would be different and your Holy Spirit would guide us to be different and what that looks like. God, I also know today that there's many here and there's many watching this. That is, we've talked about a merry little Christmas and Jesus being the focal point, the focus and pursuing him, that they know today that they've never reached out to him. They've never accepted him to be the leader and the savior of their life. 
You know, I want you to know that the amazing thing about pursuing God is he's right there. He's one step away. And so today, if you would like to accept the free gift of salvation and forgiveness for all of your sins that Jesus offers you today, I just want to invite you to pray the simple prayer with me in the quietness of your heart. Father, I know that I've fallen short and my sin and my shame and my guilt has separated me from you. But today, Jesus, I lay those things down. And I grab hold of the free gift of grace and the forgiveness that you offer me through your perfect sacrifice that you made on the cross so that all my sins would be forgiven and I would be free. And today, Jesus, I choose to follow you and live the life that is truly life that is only found in you. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, no matter where you're at, I just want you to declare that decision to God if you prayed that prayer for the first time. I just want you to raise your hand right now to declare that decision to God no matter where you're at. Raise your hand right now if that's you. Raise your hand if you prayed that prayer for the first time. Awesome. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, for those who have stepped into a new relationship with you today. God, we are so grateful for their decision. And we're grateful for all of us that you point us to the truth of what a true merry little Christmas looks like as we pursue you, as we worship you, and as we give to you. God, we are so grateful for what you do in our lives, and we pray that in the weeks to come, as we have opportunities to love the world, to share who you are, that your spirit would guide us. God, we are grateful that we have the opportunity to worship the newborn king. God, we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.